Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of FAM, Friends and Magic, a Magic the Gathering podcast brought to you by Swagoy Gaming. My name is Bill Grennan. Everyone calls me Brasky. And today, as always, I'm joined by the Mighty Linguini, Caroline Cavanaugh, Conan Hawk, Eric Hawkins, and Mr. Toolshed, Sean Gallagher. What's up, fam? Hello. How y'all doing? Hello there. Hello, everyone. We kind of had a little bit of a, an extended break a little bit, so we kind of could take some take some time to ourselves, play a little magic, chill out a little bit, tell some really bad dad jokes. That's uh, that's kind of been that's kind of been it's I got to say I feel a little refreshed, you know. Took a little bit longer of a break. I feel good. I feel ready to make a podcast with some wonderful people. How about y'all? Well, then you're in the wrong place. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. then I'll see you guys later. I'm going to go walk out here. You guys continue on. I'll see you guys later. All right. I think Caroline might have got into their their meeting earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on. Brasky doesn't even know what this is. <laughs> so we're using Jitsi to to record this. Sorry, this is very funny. Anyway, so if you know about Zoom, Jitsi is like a public open source Zoom, which is one of the reasons that this story is relevant. And the way it works is it gives you a link that's like meet.jitsi and then slash and then whatever words you want. You can put whatever, whatever words that you want as long as no one else has used them. And I didn't want to go to the website and like make a whole thing. So I just cheated. I just took the like the beginning of the URL and I wrote backslash podcast. And I was like, yeah, this should work. <laughs> and so I hit enter and it worked. I like joined a call and I was like, okay, cool. And I was about to delete it and then go and tell you guys, okay, well, let's join the podcast call. And suddenly 14 people are on my screen, like mid-conversation, and I panic and close the window. So I guess I I guess open source means very hackable. Especially if you just use the backslash just you just use the word podcast. That's it. Who's recording a podcast with 14 people? Who uses just a single word like that? Like, I'm just going to be like, yeah, Jitsi doc, like Jitsi.com slash daytime. Like, just. <laughs> I did. I went to use it. Yeah. I really, you know what I really hope? I really hope that this person is just somebody that's just like, I want to report a, record a podcast. I don't have anybody whoever, really to do it with me. shows up to this. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to talk, and I'll record it, and I'll put it out there, and it'll be great. Oh, man. I was so embarrassed. I like, quickly left. Really... Did, they, did they even catch you? I don't know. <laughs> you just left. Really... Was that, <laughs> that, that Tanya? Like, who was that? Oh, was so good. I <laughs> Anyway, so now our Jitsi link is redacted because I'm not telling you what it is. So you can't join our, our Jitsi link. So yeah, just remember just remember that meet.jitsi slash redacted. That's uh that's where you can find all of us. That's where you can always visit that Oco. podcast. Yeah, slash Oko. That'll be the next one. That's for like the that's for the special episodes that we'll make a little bit later. <laughs> just be like, all right, these ones don't have to do with magic. They're about you know, friends in Animal Crossing or something else. Maybe we just have a podcast where we just go onto a Jitsi channel, type backslash, and just pick a word and just see where we end up and just start having discussions with people. Oh, it's like the YouTube thing where you just like start on a YouTube video and then like 10 years later, you're at like something like watching a spider like eat a, I don't know, something or other. Yeah. Or something. Well, there's also chat roulette. <laughs> oh, yeah. Chat roulette. Yeah. All those yeah. things. Hopefully one of them is uh, less disturbing than the other. I would like to. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know why I got a spider in my. I would head. like to keep my faith in humanity, but going down the internet rabbit holes, you know, I I would make that journey with y'all any day, 
And of course, when we go on journeys, uh, well, oftentimes if you're going on a journey, well, you need a companion. And uh, if we're going to be talking about that, we need to talk about our weekend magic. And that's what I want to know. Conan Hawk, how was your weekend magic? It started off kind of bad. So <laughs> the week of magic, basically, I, I for those that uh, like watch me or know me, I love to play aggressive style strategies and... Uh, I'd like heard of like this mono black deck. I heard of like the Rakdos deck. I've heard of like these other Luris decks. I heard about the cycling deck. So I was trying all of them. None of them felt very good. Um, but then I found some success with like some of the mono black deck and a little bit of the cycling deck. So then everything was great. And then people started playing cards to counter those decks. Like, I don't know, like you're not supposed to be able to allow to be playing anti aggro cards in standard. Um, so then it got really bad again. And then uh, that led me right up to the weekend. Um, and I was going to like, basically, it just like my entire week of good, bad, you know, hating standard, loving a deck, all this stuff uh, all happened all on basically Saturday morning between the time of like 5 a.m. and the tournament starting. Uh, so that was exciting. But then uh, I got to play in the CFB event, which was really cool. And I found a, I found a deck that I actually liked in time. So that was really, really cool. Nice. That's good. It's well, you you started off not so good, but you ended on a solid note. That's that's, yeah, that's always I, good to go. Actually, the morning the morning of the CFB event, I was like kind of like venting a little bit in our Discord. Um I was like someone tell me a deck to play and Caroline like like showed me a couple of decks and stuff like that and it was like it was like pretty nice, but then I couldn't win with that deck and I actually went 1 in 10 at one point uh in in game and matches trying to find a deck and I was just kind of like, you know what? I like the stupid Fox cycling deck. I'm going to play that deck and I'm going to play some weird cards in it and I'm going to do terrible, but I don't care because I'm going to cycle and I'm going to kill somebody with a flare and that'll be all right. <laughs> and lo and behold, that's yeah, not, not too shabby sometimes. Not yeah, amazing, we killed a couple people with flares. But not too shabby. <laughs> I'd much rather play uh, the cycling deck in Limited where it's just completely busted, but still pretty good and constructed as well. And, uh, Mr. Toolshed, how about you? How was your week? Yeah, so <clears throat> we had a little bit of a long week here but a couple things happened i uh did some commentary with you brasky and hawk that was a lot of fun and then i hit uh mythic for the first time and you know since arena started basically i played kind of like hawk couldn't really find anything i really enjoyed too much i you know played the cycling deck that was good i went on a pretty hot pretty big hot streak with that and then it kind of tapered off and then Lo and behold, you know i was up at one in the morning at one point and i was on reddit and someone posted this cool garuda deck and I ended up just playing 30 matches with Garuda and making it to Mythic. So that's currently what I'm playing and what I'm loving right now, and I'm going to keep doing that. But, I mean, other than that, standard's kind of meh. Right now we're going to talk about it a little later, but not really feeling it. <laughs> well, you might not have been feeling the standard, but I'll tell you what. You were feeling that You were feeling that casting and that coverage we did. You did, oh, for man. a first-timer, man, you'd had a fantastic uh, debut right there. You did really, really well. I had some real bad jitters, like, the first hour or so, but once... Once the first round got over, I was loving it. It was so much fun. I, I r rambled on a lot once in a while, but I had a lot of fun doing it. I can't wait to do it again. Yeah, that's yeah. okay, because I never shut up. So even if you felt nervous <laughs> that, you know, I could just keep talking until at some point I could, you know, just basically I'm like that old man who tells a roundabout story that doesn't go anywhere. I can do that, but with coverage. So you can nice. just sit there and be like, oh, he's playing a mountain. You know, th this the thing about the artist who made this mountain, and then they'll just go off on a tangent about that artist's entire history. I'll look up some stuff on Wikipedia, and by the time we're done, and we're in game number three. And it's like, and we're going to move on from there. And Caroline, how about you? What was How was your week? Uh, it was good. Um, I played 
I I played in two different CFB Magic Fest Online weekly championships that need a shorter name for them. Um, one of them I played based on a 5-1 uh, qualifier uh, the Thursday before, which is super cool. I did that with like regular Just Guy Fires. Um, and they played Just Guy Fires in the first one. And then this, the week that just passed, I played a couple different qualifiers and finished like four and two in two of them. And then I, I got some wins from some other ones. So I ended up getting 10 wins. So I did it kind of two different ways. And about midweek last week, <laughs> I was about to play in this, it was a $10 qualifier on a Wednesday, but it was a regular six round qualifier. It was like sponsored or like featured by Gabby, Gabby Sparts. And so I was pretty excited. I had already registered for it, but I was just going to play Just Guy Fires. And about, I say about 20 minutes before the tournament, someone texted me a deck list and was like, Caroline, this is the hottest deck on the on the internets. This is this is hot off the press. And I didn't know where the deck came from or anything. I just looked at it and was like, big hearts like went over my eyeballs. And I was just like, I'm in love, my heart. And so the deck was Yorion Fires featuring a planeswalker that is new to all of us called Luca. Wonderful guy, I'm sure. Um, and Luca has his ability that people call the polymorph ability. Am I correct, Eric? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I believe Based so. on yeah. a super polymorph. card called polymorph. Yeah. But anyway, what it does is it takes one creature and it turns it into another creature. Um, and in this particular case, this deck played only tokens. So that's zero CMC. Or Agent of Treacheries, which is seven CMC. So you would take all of your, your tokens and anytime you had Luca in play and you minus Luca, you, your, you make your token into poof. An agent of treachery, <laughs> and and Luke only costs five mana, so you can do this on turn five. Um, not often because you are playing eighty cards, so there's some variance. But anyway, I saw this deck list and was like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, and I end up four twoing. You know, it's got some learning curves to it. There was like, there was some really complicated stuff going on. We like messed, I messed up in one game, and I was so in love, so I played it again, and I talked about it with everyone on the team. Um, and some people tried it, and a lot of people said like, oh, I don't know, Caroline, like I, I haven't been able to get it to work. Um, and while everyone, people felt that way, everybody else decided to register for the tournament and it was 20% of the meta, uh, at our last weekly championship, um, that Eric and I both played in. So just kind of insane. If a deck like wasn't really structured until Wednesday, like it wasn't really known in, as a, as a thing. And suddenly by this Saturday, it's 20% of the meta that is very different than paper magic. So that was kind of cool. It ended up winning the tournament as well with Oliver, right? Oliver one? Yeah, Oliver two, easy back. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of cool. So I did that. And then on the sun, so I played Saturday and I went five and three, but I didn't have, my tiebreakers were kind of bad. So I was like 140th and 128 makes day two. Uh, so I bricked day two, but then on the Sunday, I played in a Lotus box tournament that was Pioneer. And um, I ended up top eighting that event, which is pretty cool. I <laughs> That event the night before. So I'm so bad at picking deck lists. I just pick them based on how cool they are. Don't, don't be Caroline. Don't do what I do. But it's really fun. So the night before, I was like, oh, Pioneer. I don't really want to play. Like, what's going on in Pioneer? And I look it up and I was like, oh, I guess I'm playing Luros Burn. Like, it's just doing really well. And it's just like a, an archetype that I know. Okay, cool. And then as I'm like scrolling, like getting off MTG Goldfish, I'm about to like go get the deck. And I like pass by this thing that's like, Just Guy Fires. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I like go back into the window and it's like, Just Guy Fires. I'm on the Pioneer 
page like what's happening and it's like yori on fires <laughs> okay and i like click it and it's just like all these great planeswalkers from planeswalk history um there's like i was playing like a nickel bolus in my deck in my jeskai deck <laughs> um i there was oath of like there was oath of chandra which is a blast there was an oath of teferi <laughs> no, that's a blast. That lets you activate your planeswalker abilities twice. <laughs> so I had I had some real, real fun times. So I ended up being like, screw it, mono red, you're out. Who cares? No tryharding for me. I'm playing this fun deck. And I ended up doing really well with the fun deck. So it really came out both ways for me. Um and I and I had a blast. We can I don't have to do a tournament report or anything, but it was very fun. Um it was a very fun weekend. I mean, it makes yeah. sense if you're on a podcast called Friends in Magic that you do really well with a deck that is literally a Super Friends deck, right? It was Super Friends. I was so excited. Oh, my gosh. Oh, those games were so stressful, though. Uh, so one thing to, to note, like, I was super nervous about registering this deck because um, it loses to Lotus. It has to lose to Lotus Breach. Like, I don't have anything against it except one Dampening Sphere on the sideboard. It's a Fae Wishes deck, by the way. Um <laughs> And so I was like, screw it. I'm just going to register it. I never played against it once. It didn't even do well in the tournament. I was like, yes, I did it. <laughs> I, I, I locked myself into like this because it was really good against creature decks because it was just playing infinite sweepers in the deck. And I played against creature decks the whole tournament until round eight, where even if I lost, it didn't matter. And I played against the inverter deck and I ended up winning. So that was nice anyway. But it was all creatures all the way down. So it was really great for me. Heck yeah. I do have a strategy question for you. Yeah. If you had played against Lotus Breach, do you leave the the damping sphere in the sideboard, or do you board it in and just chance it because it's too slow to wish for it and then play it? I don't know. So we brought in Cage, or I brought in Cage against. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, some of the Luros decks, probably. I think. Yeah, I think. Okay. Um, but I put it in the main deck. Yeah. There, there was okay. There was one memorable moment. I was playing against Inverter, and. When, we were side when I was sideboarding, I had to make sure that I took out all the rats because the rats are just terrible against Inverter. And I have seven. So we have to bring in, I have to bring in seven cards into the deck. So I bring in Mystical Disputes, so that's three. And then I bring in like a Sarkhan. I bring in, um, so so I ended up bringing in three mana Ashiok. I was like, yeah, I might do something. <laughs> and then I bring in like, uh so, so some any cards i could cast for my wish board i brought them in basically and at some point in the match i go oh if i wish here i can get ashiok <laughs> and then we realized <laughs> it wasn't in my sideboard nice. i spent at least 50 percent of my time during that tournament with right click view sideboard on moto <laughs> because I couldn't, the, the sideboard is so freaking complicated i played a card called possibility storm in the deck I That's went through nice. all the deck lists on Moto or on MTG Goldfish. I could not figure out. Everybody had Possibility Storm, and I never knew when to bring it in. I never got. I never ended up playing it. That's the inf That's the lock with Teferi, right? That's what it does. A lock Isn't with Teferi, lock Teferi with Time Yeah, because yeah, like, so whenever Raveler. somebody casts a spell, yeah, then you can't. They 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 have to mill, and then they play the next spell, and they can't play it with the trigger on the stack. Oh, I didn't know it was a lock. That's funny. Yeah. yeah, so it probably just comes in against like the control and mid range decks. Or, or you wish for it. Well, it's really good against counter spells. It's really good against counter spells. Right? Yeah, it's the same yeah. Against yeah. Counter too. I prefer yeah. the alternate interpretation of that. Just Caroline knew that she didn't need that many side deck slots. So it's just the ultimate flex of just me going, yeah, no, I put a card in here that I literally is worthless. I have no idea what I'm going to do with it. 
<laughs> Why is there a Gaia's blessing in your sideboard? I just felt like putting it in there. You guys want to know? Oh, no, I, I haven't told why, anybody. Why is there a Gaia's blessing on your sideboard? Because you suck, that's why. <laughs> Boom. So this deck was on Goldfish. It was in, like, you know, top ten or something. There's five deck lists. And I looked at all of them. <laughs> they vary from two weeks ago to, like, two days ago. So I was like, okay, so it's current in the meta. And I'm like looking at them, and one went like five one in this or seven zero in this. And I was like, okay, okay. And I'm like, hmm, how do I pick which sideboard I want? And I look on some, and I was like, eh, I don't know. This has like an ultimatum, like whatever. And then I click on a list that has two ultimatums. And I was like, submit. <laughs> and I picked my deck list solely on how many ultimatums were in the sideboard, and I was embarrassed. <laughs> did you ever cast both of them in the same game? No, but I did cast. Um, I cast Jeskai ultimatum twice and i got mardu ultimatum but it, my opponent conceded before i could play wow the best cards are the ones where you show them and they just concede <laughs> those are like my favorite games when they're like thought sees and then they put all the pieces together and they're like i'll i'll give up and just like start shuffling their deck yeah i call, I call those the uh, i call those the yep cards it's sit there and be like oh and uh this one they just go yep and they pick it up and they and they just walk away so it's like yep then you're good my tournament ended by, I, I, my opponent was at five life. Um, I was going to be able to kill them on my next turn, in quotations, I wasn't going to. Um, they likely had the combo. And I scryed with a scry land. And the card I kept on top was Jeskai Ultimatum. I was like, it does five damage. This is it. Wrapped up. If I don't die on my turn, they die. Or if I don't die on their turn, they die on my turn. And I passed the turn. I'm all proud of myself. I'm like, I kept Jeskai Ultimatum. Sean is going to be so proud of me. And then I just looked down at my lands. <laughs> it's like blue source, blue source, white source, white source, red source, red source. No more red sources. <laughs> and I was like, no. But then I died anyway, so it's okay. <laughs> But I was so proud of myself. I was like, five damage, sucker. <laughs> it was good. It was a good weekend. Good weekend. Lots of events going on. Lots of things to do. And, you know, particularly kind of, you know, as we said with Sean and myself uh, and Conan Hawk on the production side of things, doing tournaments for Mythic Society. Lots of things going on with CFB and the... Uh, the Magic Online, uh, the Magic Fest Online events as well. There's a whole lot of standard going on right now. There's a whole lot of competitive events, and there's a lot to that's happening in the world of uh, Magic Arena that we're taking a lot of data from. So the, the meta seems both very, very strong, but also constantly shifting in a lot of different ways. And so we kind of seen that with a lot of these competitive events, uh, which has been very, very interesting to me. And particularly when we casted the Mythic Society event, Sean, uh, we kind of saw how the meta shaped out there. And then after that, we got to see more shifts in the meta going forward. But talk a little bit about what we saw just in ca casting that Mythic Society Community Cup. Yeah, so it was, first of all, love doing it. A lot of fun. Crazy day, right? Um, most popular deck by a country mile was Jeskai Fires. Um, it was five of eight in the top eight were Jeskai Fires. And then there's a sixth deck called Gruel Fires. Um, and then we had a Luris deck, and then the eighth deck I want to say was the Soulty Midrange deck, right, Brasky? Yep. Okay, so those are top eight. So five of eight, Jeskai fires. Um, so that was kind of fun to watch. I mean, I like watching the mirror. It's a little, you know, swingy and lots of haymakers going back and forth. But it's kind of crazy how that happened on Saturday, and then by, you know, Wednesday of this week, it's just basically unplayable now because the Luca deck is just. 
a, I don't know if it's a better version of the deck, but it's just way more powerful, I think, than the Jeskai Fires deck it's, we saw in the tournament. Yeah, it's so interesting to just see one archetype completely dominate a, a fairly competitive tournament, you know, with a, with a lot of players playing in it and just be like, wow, this thing is taking over. This thing, like, is this thing completely busted? Are we going to, are we, are we just going to be playing this deck now for the next, you know, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, the, until the next expansion? And then what happens, Sean? Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember literally casting with you, and I'm like, all right, apparently Jeskai Fires are going to be, everyone strap in, we're going to be seeing this deck for weeks to come, and then, yep, Wednesday, you know, three days later, here we are, and just a completely new deck that, as Caroline said, is busted. So... <laughs> Nobody listen to me. I've been... <laughs> I was on the train so early. Caroline's always on top of it, you know, just it's always true. Me, the or so. the oracle of uh, competitive <laughs> decks, right? It's yeah. Wisdom. yeah, it's not about it's not about and you know doing a whole bunch of analysis per se. You could do some, sure, why not? No, it's about it's about going with your gut and also just playing really well at the same time. And by the way, thanks for reminding me about that Gruel Fires deck, Sean. That thing was spicy. That was a good deck. Yeah, but that deck actually decent for what it's worth. It's worth tabling. I think it's okay right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I th- it finished in the top eight. I think it was either one or two, and then just uh, got of all things, a Gruel Fires deck got mana screwed. Not by like yeah. not by the types of mana it needed, but just the fact that it only drew like two or three and never actually got a chance to throw fires down. But if it did, man, that I, that was a spicy deck. That uh, now that I think about it, that that might be what I'm I'm gonna pilot for the next week or so. Yeah, every time we saw the Gruel deck on camera, I think we saw it on camera three times. Every time we saw it on camera, it was just smashing the opponent. I mean, I think I know Caroline played it. I think Caroline played it a little bit. Hawk probably touched on it a little bit, but they were, you know, just like you have these expensive mutate cards that, like, when they hit your opponent, they like destroy their fires, which was insane. And it's like a six-six, so like it was just a bunch of fast creatures, giant creatures, and it's just. It was an awesome deck. It was awesome to see it bashing the Jeskai deck. And then, unfortunately, like you said, I think I'm pretty sure my the opponent or the Gruel Fires player mulliganed to five, kept a competitive five, but just missed his fourth land drop. And then, unfortunately, just wasn't able to play Magic. Wasn't able to keep up against the Jeskai Fires deck. Yeah, it's still an impressive showing, though. It was a, it was a oh, lot yeah. of fun. And, you know, shout sure. out to uh, uh, to our friend Conan Hawk for their first time on the production side of things, being behind the camera uh, and not on the mic, but actually just kind of running the you know discord going to twitch streams and all that kind of stuff it is it is a handful is it not mr mr conan hawk oh yeah uh it was like the the thing is is like when you do the pot when you do the casting you just kind of sit there and like especially from like the um from the expert you know quote uh side of things you you kind of like read off of what everybody else is doing um and then when i got into the production thing what the funny thing is is like it all is like front-loaded to the beginning of a round or the or it's like backloaded to the end of the round but like in the middle of the round so like you don't get really like a warm-up you're like you're like and we're live and here's a million things to do and i was just kind of like ah, and then i was like i'm never gonna catch up and then like the round starts and i'm like i have nothing to do for like 50 minutes i don't think so i guess i'll get things ready and then 20 minutes have passed and i'm like all right and then all of a sudden it's like a hailstorm again and you're just like <laughs> you're just like trying to get everything back in order and get everything and there was definitely uh, the beginning of the the beginning of the cast was a little bit rougher, and then obviously because we're doomed to never record a finals correctly, um, the the end of the cast was really bad too. Um, but it, like the in the middle, I like I kind of hit my stride, and it was like a lot easier and stuff like that. So we even had a commentator switch in the middle, which was kind of interesting. So we had uh, 
I had to like get the our call all set up again and um for some reason we used Skype for that and they like flip flop too. So I had to like change all of the things and all that stuff in between rounds it was kind of weird. But yeah, it was it was pretty fun and it was uh it definitely keeps you on your toes for sure. Yeah, it's true. You had to make that uh, commentator switch because I am a diva and it's in my contract that I never cast a whole tournament. Uh, I, yeah. I I only do the later stages or top eights, and that's it, my friend. Excuse me. It was actually the- really crazy. We had to pick out all of the uh, all of the red M and M's out of all of his M and M's, and then put them in a big bowl because he only eats the red M and M's. And then we had to send it to his house. It was crazy. Yeah, and only <laughs> Irish crystal, an Irish crystal bowl. That's it. It's in my contract. <laughs> Brasky's the closer. You just got to bring in the closer. It's That's okay. what we you understand. do. That's what you yeah. do. Because uh, you bring me in for closers for that, not in any type of competitive magic sense where I actually have to play the game. Because then that's just uh, that's just asking for a disaster. You could hand me that type of fires deck, and I'd be, yeah, okay, let's see what happens, and I just lose three zero. And then a lot of people ended up losing with that fires deck because Caroline, as we saw, another type of deck uh, showed up featuring uh, well uh, some nice adjustments, uh, and we got to see kind of in those CFB qualifiers, uh, what the next shift in this competitive meta was. Yeah, I actually kind of spoiled um, this topic earlier. We're talking about the adjustment to Luca Yorian Fires. Um, so it has some of the cards you would expect. It has Fires of Invention. It has Teferi. But it plays, because it's Yorian, you have 80 cards, so it does play a full flight of four uh, Blue Omens. It also played... Birth of Miletus, which is the two mana enchantment saga thing that gets like a, a land and then a 04 and then some life. I played all four uh, three mana Narsets, which is a very big turn uh, kind of switch from regular fires. Regular fires basically had no three mana Narsets and sometimes one in the sideboard. Um, and that so that was actually kind of appealing uh, with the cycling deck running around four of the the three mana Narsets was pr- pretty cool, actually, in my opinion. Um, this the biggest change I believe it played was four blue mythos, um, which is a copy anything uh, instant or sorry sorcery sorcery, not instant um, copy anything sorcery uh, that had some random condition that it doesn't really matter what it is. But if you cast it with team or colors, you could fight with your creature. It happens so infrequently; it's really not a part of the card, in my opinion. Um, and then this is where things got a little off the rails. It played a five-minute Planeswalker. Uh, his name is Luca... Coppercoat Outcast. That one. Uh, which is a brand new Planeswalker from this set. Um, it has a plus one of look at the, the top... Exile the top three cards uh, from your deck. You may cast any number of creatures that are exiled this way as long as you control Luca Planeswalker. Uh, and then it's minus two. It starts with five loyalty, so minus two is pretty interesting. That's pretty notable. Um, is exile target... Her, or target creature that you control and reveal cards until you reveal a creature of greater converted mana cost and then you may cast or you may put that card into play um and so if you were paying attention the deck makes tokens with birth of Miletus, and i haven't got to shark typhoon yet but it makes tokens with shark typhoon and it also plays the white castle um so it's kind of really all how you make tokens and then tokens have a zero converted mana cost so anything that you'll flip any creature that you'll flip off a token will go straight into play so there's a solution to that problem we just don't play any creatures except for 
agent of treachery, which I mentioned earlier. So uh, often poor little O4 wall gets put into an agent of treachery. Um, and so that was a really cool change to the format. I think um, Jessica Fires was often winning with creature damage. This was winning with frustration damage. <laughs> Um, we also played uh, four Elspeth Conquers Death, which is also, again, 80 cards allows you to play four of a lot more. Um, and Elspeth Conquers Death, I think, is very good right now. It's insane just how good it is. Um, the Yorian Bant decks are playing Cavalier for some reason, and that's like, grab it. It's gone. Don't worry about it. Uh, deals with other Elspeth Conquers Death. It deals with basically everything that's important except for like the Obosh decks. Um, the one drops obviously are kind of tricky, but for the most part, I think it's a pretty powerful card right now. Um, and then of course it plays with uh, Shark Typhoon, which I didn't mention. I did cast Shark Typhoon as an actual enchantment a decent amount, um, but mostly it was just tokens. And then uh, I played with uh, Agent of Treachery. So I think I got everything on that deck. Um, I'm with like a bunch of lands. And of course, Yorian. Um, the deck to me on Wednesday, I had a blast playing it. So I played it in a 4-2 finish, I think I said. Um, gosh, the lines were so complicated. So there are a couple different things that you need to think about this deck. When you have fires in play, having Yorian or some copy of Yorian through like Blue Mythos or something reminds you that you can blink your fires at the end of your loop. So you can go like, so fires is in play, you untap, you've got six lands or something. You play a spell, usually a Luka. You get an Agent of Treachery, so you take one of your opponent's things. Then you play your Yorian. And so then when you Yorian, you blink your new agent that you just got. You can blink Luka. And if you blink your Fires, even though that was your second spell that turn, your Fires goes away until the end of turn. And you now have six mana available to you. And so you could play another spell. And what was a really often situation is you would play your Blue Mythos. And your blue mythos could copy either your agent that just came in or your Yorian and things get really freaking complicated. Um, and so that would unlock like the being able to flicker your fires with Yorian was a play that like really unlocks your turn. And you have to try and figure out like what ECD target am I doing now and later and blah, blah. And so um, I don't know. The deck was really fun is long story short because I had a blast. So. It was, and it's certainly been the talk of the town in terms of you know how standard is shaking out right now. And the thing I'm interested in in kind of seeing is how people are going to match up against it. And I've seen some uh, thoughts going around around the world of the interwebs about like how do you face up against this uh, this Yorion Fires deck. I mean, I've seen some people be like, well, let's try Simic Flash uh, with you know Ceratops. Let's try Selesnya Adventures with Obosh. Let's try making just a different. Yorion deck. Uh, my favorite, the one that I saw was Esper Hero, just because it's Esper and I'm that type of human being. Uh, but is there, what do we think is the next shift in the meta? What's going to come up and rise up to meet this Fires deck? And then, you know, what what happens? Does the cycle just continue that we just keep running in circles this way? Uh, and it relatively could be considered healthy, but uh, what do we think is the next step in like the stage of this meta? I think, uh, you know, I don't know if you meant to do this uh, intentionally or not, but you brought up a cycle and how we keep going in circles and, and all this stuff. And uh, I think, I think that might be the way that we go. Uh, I, I love, I love cycling. Um, and I, I think that the deck is just going to be, I think the deck's just actually really good against the, against the uh, Luca deck. Uh, to be quite honest, I, I went three and one against it this weekend. 
in the CFB MFO. Um, I've gone like 5-0 on ladder um, over the last two days against it as well. And um, I think like it's, while I'm like, it's really weird because I don't know if the cycling deck is actually good or if it's just good because it's good against Luca. <laughs> Um, I think if there was like an actual control deck, I think that the cycling deck would actually not be very good, but they're just like, it doesn't really seem to be one. And I think one of the ways that mid range matchups and like for the Luca deck, it is kind of mid range. It's kind of combo as well. It's just a really big mid range deck. Right. So the next step in an evolution of a mid range format is to be slightly bigger than the deck that was just like the best mid range deck previously. And you just keep adding to the top end. Well, as people get further and further away from uh, from the bottom of the format. That's when these like cycling decks or mono red or maybe like the mono black aggro decks or the, the Rakdos aggro decks and stuff like that can really take advantage of that because, you know, they're going to start playing, trying to cast like seven mana spells, like your casualties of war or your ultimatums or your whatevers, right? So I think... I think that is that is like the two places you can go. And for me, I like I said, I do like the cycling deck a lot. And um, and basically, if people start going in the direction of these like huge spells to like overthrow these Luka decks, then the cycling deck gets even better. Um, but then I think it will probably come back to Earth. If the cycling deck does get really, really good at beating up all of these hyper greedy decks, then you'll start seeing like, you know, Sean's favorites, blue white control and stuff like that. And like be able to beat up on all the cycling decks which would actually be good for the format because then it'd be actually like a, a you know, like a, a circular format um, in the fact that like, you know, if you get too big, we'll come back at you with the cycling deck. And if you get too small, then, you know, we'll get at you with the blue eye control. So I, I think that like, that's my hope for the format. And I think that's the, what is going to happen next is, is, is very big. If you can still beat the cycling decks by being huge, like these very, very over the top decks, then we might be a little bit of unbalanced format, but I, I, I don't believe that'll be the case. Sean, you know, we saw a lot of lot to be made about Yorion, and then, of course, you know, before then it was Lurus, and then even then, you know, at the very, very early stages of the meta, we were seeing things like Obosh, you know, being used in a lot of more aggro decks and things of that nature. Do we think that there's an opportunity to see Obosh come back again, or is there another companion that no one's really, that people are kind of testing out a little bit to kind of show back up and, and rear its head in the standard meta? Yeah, I kind of think with what Hawk was talking about, we have, you know, two directions where the format can go. We can either try to get under or try to go over. The Obosh deck is probably the next best choice to go under the Luka decks. So if that's the direction the meta is going to go, it's probably going to be Obosh, you know, the black-red deck, the one with, like, um, you know, all the odd spells. That one's a good option. Or maybe we just go back to the black sacrifice deck with Loris. One of those two options those are probably the only ways to go under. Um Obviously, I want the blue-white control decks to be popular, but my guess is we're going to start leaning back towards the Obosh decks, you know, being able to just clean up all of the tokens and stuff like that. Being able to, like, clean up the tokens that the Luka deck needs is something that's kind of important, too, because, like, if they don't have any creatures to play, they can't make an Agent of Treachery. But, um, I mean, my guess is that's where we're probably going to end up is the Obosh deck going underneath everything. My prediction when I was playing this weekend was that the card Brazen Borrower would become more popular again. It had actually fallen out of a lot of people's main decks, including uh, Just Sky Fires that stopped playing it as well. And I think in general, people just didn't really understand how to interact with Luca. Like, you, you can definitely bounce the token and they will not get their agent. Uh, you can also kill the token in response to... Um, so I think that could also help too. People just will change their decks a little bit. The combo is kind of like kind of easy to disrupt. I think like if you can get rid of their, they don't have that many tokens. 
So I want to, I do want to say one thing about if, if Brazen, like the Brazen Borrower thing and like the killing the tokens thing is, I think, a little harder due to the fact that, um, and granted, it is an 80 card deck, but like you have to make sure that your deck has a game plan for Teferi. Right. Um, like, it, like, you know, um, is, is, <laughs> like, I mean, it feels like Teferi's been in standard for like a billion years or whatever, and we could just like never play instance. I think that is like actually kind of true in this case. Is like I like that is like one of the reasons that I actually like the Mayhem Devil decks against the Luka decks a little bit is because outside of the zero four wall, you can actually just ping their tokens with the Mayhem Devil, so they have to like actually kill your Mayhem Devil in order to get through. Um, so like I could see like Mayhem Devil being okay in that in that aspect, but I am. I'm a little worried because, but like maybe if you play it with like Mystical Dispute and you can stop the Teferi from being in play or you have like a good a good answer for it to like, you know, get to the Teferi, maybe like something like Fry or something like that. Um, but the, the big worry is, is that like if they just like play a Teferi, play a token, play a Luka and your deck is like weak to the to the Agent of Treachery, you're probably still dead. I also think just one of the things that people love about uh, that Fire's deck, you know, regardless of its strength, is there's few things more satisfying than playing an Agent of Treachery and just taking whatever you want from your opponent. Just, oh, that thing that you just played, that thing that's really important to you? That's mine now. Thank you. I'm just, in, uh, in the Magic Fest Online, I ended, I won a match where I had a lot of permanents in play. I would say probably more than 15. And my opponent had nothing. <laughs> absolutely nothing no lands no enchantments nada this is nada. this is why i miss paper because if this was paper by the time you're on like the seventh or eighth one you're not even like oh can you hand me that card you're like going and taking one finger placing it on the card and sliding oh. it over to your side <laughs> i i could have killed my opponent but instead i played one more agent of treachery for my hand to take their last omen of the seas just so i could have the flawless victory but also be really careful because you draw a lot of cards when you have that many agent of <laughs> yeah. luckily you have 80 cards yes but i i'm sucking a lot of cards yeah actually i had that happen today where I, and i actually won this game my opponent got three triggers off of agent of treachery in one turn and then i was like oh maybe i can deck them and then i drew the land to like kill them with zenith flare for like 15 uh but they still had 52 cards in their deck so they, <laughs> they could have had a couple more triggers uh i did want to bring up one thing really quick one of the things that we brought up earlier was the gruel fires deck and one of the cards that's in the Gruel's Fires deck, I actually think is like very, very seriously underconsidered in a lot of decks. And I think that is uh that is uh Shifting Ceratops. I think Shifting Ceratops is like a card that like could see a lot of pickup because if Luca's gonna, you know, is gonna cycle into just a just a control magic, right? You can't actually or confiscate, I guess. Uh you can't actually confiscate the the shifting ceratops. A lot of people have kind of stopped playing the the Aethergust to stop the shifting ceratops. So if you just played a deck with like four shifting Teratops and like an aggressive strategy, like you might be able to just like kill your opponent because like it can't be bounced by Teferi. It can't be uh it can't be blocked by the Agent of Treacheries. It's not like the the omen of the seas that what they're playing now, uh don't really do anything against it. So like it's gonna be very, very, very hard for them to like actually stop a, a shifting ceratops, which uh, definitely could be something big there. Well, maybe that means uh, Caroline's favorite deck, Simic Flash, makes a comeback and just jumps back into this meta. <laughs> what are you talking about? You love like Simic Flash. Yeah, you love if, whenever you say the word Simic Flash, it's always followed by just a boo. <laughs> <laughs> they can also play Brazen Borrower. So, they, you hey, know. throw a Shark Typhoon in there and I am sold. 
<laughs> back in. Yeah, that might be the, one of go. the reasons why they that the, the, actually the 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 flash decks are not super great right now is because you like have all these cool counter spells and then all of a sudden you're like I'll attack you and they're like cycle Sark Typhoon and you like look at your mystical dispute and you're like your other counter spell and your other counter spell and you're like your three two snake and you're like yeah all right fine like draw your card block I guess you kill my best creature all right your turn well like, <laughs> guess I'll die now yeah. <laughs> Well, this sure is going to be, I'm looking forward at least, to what the shifts in the meta are going to happen. And of course, anyone knows that as they listen to this podcast, we're going to probably cover those shifts in the meta. There's going to be plenty to talk about, plenty to explore with it that I'm going to be very excited about. So of course, if anyone is listening and looking forward to those things, make sure that you subscribe to the Friends and Magic podcast uh, by clicking that little button. And of course, leave us a review, uh, any amount of stars that work for you. And if you write us a review as well, that would be super duper great. We will make sure that we can you know, read it on the air for better or for worse. And uh, it's very helpful for us. And we really, really appreciate it. And something else that uh, I think we can all appreciate is learning from our mistakes. And I know it's been a while, but I think it's time we bring back uh, the punt of the week of this part of the podcast where we discuss times where we maybe screwed up and maybe lost ourselves the match, maybe in uh, amazing fashion sometimes. And this week, the Mighty Linguini, Caroline Cavanaugh, brings us a little story of their their punts. Uh, no, you must have the notes wrong. I would never make a mistake oh, ever. Let, nope. let me see this. Yeah. Yes, you are right. It just says... Nope, no, wait, no, that's you. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm sorry to... Okay, listen, Caroline, this is... I know we're on episode 28, but there's something we needed to tell you. Um, okay, what is it? You're you're not infallible at, at magic. I know. Okay, fine. I'll talk about this small little blunder I made. Okay, thank you. It makes it makes us, you know, peasants feel better, all right? We appreciate it. <laughs> Um, so I was playing in a Lotus Box tournament, uh, which was a pioneer format. I was playing um, an 80-card Fires, Just Guy Fires deck, uh, Yorian, of course. And I was 5-0. and oh. I beat up on a lot of creature decks coming into this round. Um, and I just kept saying to myself, as long as they don't go, you know, turn 3 Lotus Field, I'm good to go. My opponent's deck list, it's, it's open deck list, of course. So I see they're playing um, an Abzan uh, rally the ancestor slash return to ranks strategy. And I was like, Oh, creatures. It's gotta be good for me. Uh, in my deck, I have three deafening clarins and three Supreme verdicts or maybe four Supreme verdicts. I'm not sure. So I have a lot of main deck sweepers. Um, my deck is geared to, to deal with this. I have some planeswalkers that also deal with it. So I was pretty excited. Uh, and game one kind of gets away from me. And soon, soon there's like a bunch of damage on board that I have to wrath on my turn. So I go to Fey of Wishes. And they maybe fade the previous turn. Anyway, we go to Fey and we realize my sideboard only has damage-based sweepers. And so we we can't get any damage-based sweep, sweepers because they have um, Fiend Artisan, which is the new card that gets like plus X plus X for a number of creatures in your graveyard. So they're too big. They're already They're already out of range of the damage-based sweepers. Um, so we get something else. I think we get um, a cage just to stop it, stop anything coming back. And then on my turn, we can either, we can fay again, I think is the thing. We can fay again to go get a damage-based sweeper, which we know, which I know won't be enough. And so I was like, oh, okay, I guess I can't do that. And the only other play I'm left with is a Narset. Um, so I have fires in play. That's why I have two spells to play. So I have Narset, and I was like, if I get a Narset, I can minus, and if I find Supreme Verdict, then I 
but I'm kind of okay for now. <laughs> um, and I was going through my lands and I have a really kind of bad habit of playing my land at the beginning of the turn. So I don't forget to play my land, um, especially on Moto. <laughs> and I play my land and in my head, I think Supreme Verdict is double white as I'm playing my not double blue land. Like I have two lands in my hand. One makes double, like one makes a second blue for my mana base and one doesn't. And in my head, I was like, yeah, Supreme Verdict must be double white. And then as soon as I play it, I realized, no, it doesn't. It's definitely double blue. It's like one blue, blue, white or whatever. And I was like, okay, well, now I'm Dobbs. Because I, if I, even if I find it, I can't cast it. I must not have had fires now upon reflection. <laughs> That's the punt of the story right there. No, I must have had – that must have been the issue is I didn't have fires. Um. And so I minus Nar said anyway, just just for shits and giggles. <laughs> and I uh, I reveal the Supreme Verdict and then immediately concede. And my opponent writes, why didn't you cast the Supreme Verdict? And I wrote, no double blue. They're like, ah, <laughs> I see. <laughs> so I, I lost game one. Uh, and then I did end up losing that match. That was my one loss in the Swiss, which I was sad about. And then a bonus, this is like a, a bonus punt. <laughs> this one's mostly funny because I don't know how it happened. Uh, playing round eight, playing against Yorian Inverter. <laughs> For those that are following Pioneer now, you have to clarify because there are both Inverter decks and Yorian Inverter decks. Because why not? Um, deep into game one, we're like, we're sort of making progress, but we're basically any turn away from like six mana Inverter, Thassa Oracle, you're dead. So we're like, I'm cautiously trying to like get some damage in and like doing some stuff. And I look at my board and I was like, man, this would be a really good Yorian turn. And I was like, my opponent has already used their Yorian. So I was like, oh, this is even really good. So I go to, go to my little companion zone. And I was like, wait, wait a minute. I don't have a companion zone. What? Where, where's my friend? <laughs> I lost my friend. <laughs> and I have no idea what happened. I, the story doesn't have a result. I don't know how I didn't present my companion. For those who don't play Moto, the way it works is your sideboard pops up at the beginning of each game, and then your companion is highlighted, or sorry, your companion is visible, and then it will say reveal companion question mark, and then you have to click Yorion or your companion, and then click yes. But if you do one of those two things wrong, which I guess I did. It does not reveal it. <laughs> so I started game one without a companion. And it really mattered. I lost that game for sure because I did not have Yorian. And then, uh, but I won game two and three. So it's great. I blame the I, UI. Yeah. I got to, in game three, um, how did I do this? So I got to Nickel Bolas. Yeah, I got to play the five mana Nickel Bolas. So red, black, 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 blue Nickel Bolas with fires. Minus Killer Jace. Ashiok the last card on their deck because they had just inverted. Well, okay, going back actually to the turn, it was something super important. I had an Ashiok in play. Uh, I had a Gideon in play. <laughs> and I had a Narset in play. So they really were not winning on their turn. But what they decided to do was cast Inverter of Truth. And they had a Jace. So you would think that they could win because they inverted one card goes into their library. And then they have a Jace. So they would put, you know, tick it up and win. But I have a Narset. So they can't draw a second card. And Jace only says if you would draw a card and there was none in your library you would win but they can't draw a card so they, they end up not doing the jace which is unfortunate for for me because <laughs> they figured it out and i was like oh shoot okay but they did leave it so they only had one card left in their library so on my turn i used ashiok to mill that last card 
kill their Jace, and then on their upkeep, they drew nothing and died. It was really great. <laughs> but it was all because I was able to wish for nickel bullets for my sideboard, so that was pretty cool. Dang. Anyway, wait, we have to cover this. Verdict is one white, white, blue? Yeah, it's white, yeah. white, blue, one. So I must have not had double white then. Yeah. I don't want to say anything because that felt like a minor detail, but yeah, it's white, white, blue. One. What, yeah, I guess that is really important to notice that whatever it was, I didn't have it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sphinx's revelation is blue, blue, white. Well, see that? See that? I freaking know. <laughs> I know. Don't worry. Yeah. If, <laughs> if it's you. a card and it has blue, white, Sean knows what those mana costs are. <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, you know, my favorite uh, when it comes to punting, uh, at least on the coverage side of things, and Sean, I think we did this for a game uh, this past weekend, was sitting there looking at the board state, watching, you know, seeing what the players are playing, kind of looking at the, the player that we're at least spectating one player so we can see their cards. And we're sitting there, and Sean and I are just getting so in, enthralled in the possibilities of what this player could do. It's like, oh, they could do this, and oh, and then next turn, next turn, they could drop this thing and this thing. And even then, if they draw this one specific card, oh, imagine how they could swing the game on their side and all those kinds of things. And then that card gets drawn, and we're like, oh, see, exactly what we said. This board is, this, this game's really going to turn around. And what does that player do? They, they find lethal that we did not find because we spent all of the time talking about every other cool thing you could possibly do. And it's just being like, Oh, we're going to do all these things or, or they, or you could, or, or you could win the game. Yep. That's uh, obviously we spent the last five minutes talking about all the other cool stuff you could have done, but I guess that they chose to win the match. Yeah. Okay. Fine. It definitely felt like every time I got long winded about like, all right, I think if uh, our, our hero here draws the fairy into removal spell, they can attack for lethal in two turns. Every time I said something like that, the guy we were the person we were watching would just be like, All right, play Cavalier, play second Cavalier, give him haste, kill you. I'm like, Oh, okay, well, I mean I mean I guess you could do that. Like that's cool too, but my play was way cooler. I, I tried to help as best I could. Every <laughs> once in a while they'd be talking and I'd be like, They have lethal. <laughs> but you couldn't you couldn't hear it over you couldn't hear it over the the, well, the uh broadcast which was nice it's so tough sometimes because like from just guy fires it's like all right just guy fires their opponents at 29 there's no way they die right and it's like two cavaliers somehow is lethal it's just like okay i guess they just got attacked for 34 like somehow <laughs> it's just like absurd amounts of damage come through sometimes it's like all right well it's really it's, helpful having conan hawk you know be your producer because He's in your ear letting you know like when they're switching scenes or doing things like that. But also like the the one thing about Conan Hawk is that when he's producing, I mean you're not you're already not the loudest human being in the world. You you can be somewhat of a of a laid back, uh, you know, a little soft spoken. And so when you're focusing on production, that's the best thing is imagine a bunch of people talking and all of a sudden just this little bug in your ear just goes, They have lethal. <laughs> that's yeah. definitely how it was too. And then we'd go, I, I think they have lethal here. They're like attacking. <laughs> <laughs> or we're trying to make like some grand thing. It's like, oh, what could they, what could they do right here? Oh, they could play that. They could do all these things. Oh, they can't do that. They have Narset, or they yeah. have Narset and they can't draw a bunch of cards. Of course not. <laughs> or, or the one that I'll, I'll remember two. I'll remember for the rest of my life. I remember specifically going. All right, they can just cast Definite Clarion, deal three to the board, and then come on in for like ten. And it's like, well, they can, but Cruel Celebrant's going to deal sixteen to ourselves. <laughs> 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 yeah. I just like completely forgot that cruel celebrants a blood artist, and it's just like, oh, yeah, I guess we're just dead because we like our the guy we we're the person we we're watching just like cast definite clarion like takes like eighteen or something, and then just dies the next turn. It's like, oh, I thought we had the game, but I guess not. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll sweep your board. Also, 15 triggers. Um, <laughs> like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's just kind of, it's it's always something to learn, whether we're casting a match or whether we're playing a match, uh, whether to just finding ways to not die as opposed to uh, completely win. Uh, is something that we always look for. And so that's why we're always trying to get better at the game of Magic, and that's what I want to know, is what you all doing to get better at the game of Magic. I, myself, I finally have some Magic Arena cards to build a deck, uh, you know, because I didn't get that pre-order in there. So I've been playing a lot of Limited, and so I finally, you know, through playing that, I was like, oh, finally, I can make a deck. So I can, at the very least, make the Red-Black Sacrifice deck, and I'm going to give that a shot. I'm going to jump in with that. Uh, I do have Lurus. Uh, I think, yes, I do. I do. Yes. Um, so I will be, you know, jumping in with that deck and playing around with it, which should be a lot of fun. So it's like my first foray to actually in playing standard as opposed to just watching a bunch of it, which I'm looking forward to doing. Sean, how about you? What are you doing to get better at the at Magic this week? Yeah, I actually have kind of slowed down. So I, I played, so I've untapped GG and it tells you how much Magic you play, right? So last season I played 41 hours over the course of like six days. Uh, to hit mythic so that kind of like burned me out a little bit so i'm kind of taking a little bit slow to get back into it right now but uh over the next couple days i've been or over the last couple days i've been just playing like two or three matches a day uh with just various decks but i'm gonna keep playing some standard right now take it a little slow but then on friday i'm gonna kind of do what caroline's doing and just like i have the afternoon off so i'm gonna play at least two qualifiers hope to spike one and then hopefully get to play on saturday so i'm gonna be playing some magic on friday and hopefully on saturday this week Nice. Speaking of, Caroline, what are you up to this week? I'm taking a day off work. It occurred to me, which is really funny, I don't know if anyone else is working from home right now, but it occurred to me when I travel to tournaments or when I travel to Denver or whatever, I often take a day off work every four to six weeks. Um, And it's been eight weeks and I've taken zero time off work, which is great. It's definitely a brag. um, And I appreciate the work for sure. But I was like, wait a minute. I really want some time off. And I realized like kind of feels weird to just be like, Hey, I'm taking time off to not do anything. <laughs> um, because at least before I'd be like, oh, I have a flight or I have a thing or whatever. Anyway. So I'm taking a day off and I'm going to play some qualifiers because I'd like to join Eric again in the finals this weekend. That'd be pretty sweet. Uh, so that's kind of my plan for magic. Uh, there is no Lotus box tournament this week. It's the it's every two weeks. So it's like a four week series that I have to play in. Cause I have some leaderboard leaderboard points. Nice. Um and yeah. I don't really have any other plans. I hear you though on the uh working remotely side of things. Been working remotely since like the first week of March. And I've yeah. realized like looking back, it's like wow, now I've actually been working more than I usually were when I usually was in my other job just because there's so much to do do to kind of fix up there's like it's 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 shifted away certain things about my work life and now i'm doing a whole bunch of other work stuff and it's so much work stuff and i'm at home so i don't really know like when i'm stopping work and when i'm doing stuff so i finally did the same thing i was like whoa hold on a second i'm gonna take a second to breathe i'm very lucky to to be working and, ha- and to do all that kind of stuff but also i need a moment just to like i'm gonna sit back for a little bit maybe i need to you know play play some qualifiers and i'm <laughs> That would be hilarious if I could spike a qualifier. But, uh, you know, just show up and do something a little bit different for a while, you know? Gunnar Hawk, what about you? What are you up to this week? Uh, so, like, you know, Caroline said, I made the, um, the I guess, what do they call it? The weekend championships? The weekend finals? Um, but I'm going to be playing that this weekend. So, basically, I I love the cycling deck. I, I decided to try some of the other aggro decks, and I 
it's really weird because like while I wasn't doing poorly with the other decks, the other aggro decks, like the Rakdos Sacrifice deck, the odd one, the the Loris one, the um the black the mono black one and all this stuff, it's just like my Jeskai cycling deck has just like been sitting there. And over like the last I don't know, since the I went what X and three, there's fourteen rounds. So uh, I played thirteen of them. So I went ten and three in the matches that I played with it. Um I'm also thirteen and zero on ladder with it. So it's like I'm like twenty three and three with it. And so like it's just like overperforming against everything else. So while everything else is like not doing bad, I, I'm just gonna like try to perfect this deck because I think not only is it something that I, I think is really good, I think it's just like been the most fun deck. So I'm just gonna keep you know working at it and it, it's getting weirder and weirder and weirder. Um, at least the sideboard is, but I, I, I think my goal by the end of this week is to have like the perfect Jeskai cycling list for this weekend and that that's what I'll be doing all week is just trying to perfect it. Toss it my way when you figured it out, please. It, it, it I was gonna say if you have a Luris, I don't know that there's many other wild cards you need. Um, so if you have the Shocklands, Hollowed Fountain, Sacred Foundry, and um, Steamens, and then Luris, Deafening Clarion times two, I think that I've named all of the rares in the entire deck. Subscribe. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> I will take that, please. Yes. So, and, and then if you just like want to play the regular Boros one, then you just actually take out the other eight Shocklands. Like it's even it's even cheaper. Done and done. Sounds good to me. I'm I'll subscribe to both those things. And speaking of subscribing, if you're listening to this podcast, you could not only just subscribe to this podcast, but subscribe to all of us wherever we are making our content, especially those of us that uh, do some twitching every so often, which is why I want to know where we can find y'all on the internet. Caroline, let's start with you. Hey, you can find me on Twitter at Mighty Linguini, on Instagram at the Mighty Linguini, and on Twitch.tv slash the Mighty Linguini. I stream on Wednesdays. I always have a magic guest. But we don't always play magic. Nice. Mr. Toolshed, how about you? You can find me on Twitch and Twitter at and slash Mr. Toolshed. I will be streaming on Friday and hopefully on Saturday my Magic Fest online tournaments. Uh, and then a couple weeks I'll be streaming five days a week. Uh, starting on the 30th or so, I'll be streaming five days a week. Fantastic. And Conan Hawk, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Conan Hawk, or you can watch my stream Monday through Friday, twitch.tv slash Conan Hawk. Fantastic. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at Twitch at Brasky1142, and you can always find out anything you want to about Friends and Magic by following us on Twitter at Swagoy Gaming, or you can go to our website, swagoy.com, S-W-A-G-O-I.com, to learn all about all of our competitive esports teams and variety streamers. And that is going to do it for us this week. We will see you all next time. Bye. Bye.